Are you immersed in a sea of business advice and education, but not sure what to embark on first? Instead of adding to the ocean of information, we're here to help you navigate it like a pro. The Wayfinding Growth Podcast will help you take a deep dive into new actionable strategies, tools, and tactics to help you grow. So start charting a course for business growth as you explore a better way to grow further, faster, with your hosts, Remington Begg and George B. Thomas. And I've got to tell you, Remington, I'm a little bit excited here, and I mean in a good way. Did you hear the words that our guest just said a couple seconds ago? Yeah, I think it's going to scare a lot of people, but I think we're going to get ultra nerdy, and this is going to be fun. Look, if you're ready for AI, SEO, and something called deep machine learning, let's get into this. Christopher, Chris, the big C, I don't know. Like, we should just call you the (laughs) smartest man on the planet. Why don't you explain to the guests who you are, what you do, and who you do it for? Sure. My name is Christopher Penn. I'm the co-founder of Trust Insights, a data science consulting firm for marketers to help marketers solve their tougher data problems. This is a, a company I co-founded with uh, my CEO, Katie Robert. This is actually fortuitous timing. On the day we're recording this, this is the one-year anniversary of when uh, we shook hands over a mediocre plate of sushi in Santa Clara, California, uh, to say, let's let's go and do this thing. I used to work for years in public relations and email marketing and communications and stuff. About a year ago, we're like, yeah, want to really focus in on what you could, what marketers could do better with their data. I love that. You know, I can't even begin to count the amount of mediocre plates of sushi uh, that I have <laughs> had conversations over. However, none of them have been about starting something as cool as this sounds. But Give us a little bit more um, of your backstory and kind of how you've arrived at who you are uh, right now. Oh, that's that. This could take a really long time, but we'll we'll make it short. Um, A common thread throughout my life from the age of seven onward is that I've enjoyed using technology but using it as a way to get stuff done better or faster or communicate better. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, uh, I was like the total nerdy kid. And back in, back in you know, for those of you who have a little more gray in your hair, uh, you know, you're in your 40s like me, the nerds were not cool back then. Nerds <laughs> weren't the richest people in the world, and therefore were not cool. And we got beaten up and you know, stuffed into lockers and stuff like that. But I managed to still become class president in my senior year of high school, in part by using technology, uh, desktop printing, and, and you know, we had a brand new like Mac Two <laughs> back in the day. You know, still the same black and white like nine inch screen. But it was so revolutionary to be able to use that to change people's minds. And this thread has run through my my life, my career. I have a graduate degree in information systems. I was an IT guy for a really long time. Uh, and then in the 2000s, I joined a, a, a financial services startup as employee number three. So I was the CIO, I was the CMO, and I was the guy who cleaned the restroom on Fridays. Uh, <laughs> and we took that company from three people and 300K a year to a 20-person, $6 million company in just three years. Wow. And so uh, by using technology well. And so this this thread continues to run through my life. And it's one of those like, yep, that's that's what I do. So today, let's talk about how you make a living today. Today, it, it's funny. We, we, we talk about startups and growth and stuff like that. Our, we had a meeting with our CPA uh, not too long ago, 
and he says something really insightful. He's like, every startup, every every new business needs three kinds of people. You need a finder, a minder, and a grinder. It's uh, from uh, nice. David Baster's talk. So a uh, finder is the salesperson, who's my uh, friend and partner, John Wall. The minder is our CEO, Katie Robert. And the grinder is me, the guy who creates the stuff. So I make my living today by writing code, by analyzing data, by working with clients, by coming up with ideas, um, by doing a lot of public speaking and marketing of the company. But at the end of the day, I'm doing the same thing. I'm solving problems, solving data problems with technology. I love that you mentioned the speaking part in there because I know that is a big part of what you do. And and with that, let's go into kind of maybe some milestones in your life. And this can be personal. This can be business. But um, I think that all of us, when we look back, you know, <laughs> historical vision is 2020, right? So yeah. if you look back, you might have one, two, or three times in your life where you saw these milestones or pivot points. Talk to us a little bit about that. You know, I think probably uh, there's, there's a few of them. Number one is in graduate school, they, one of the big things that the, the school I went to, I went to Boston University, they loved doing case studies. And that was the most appallingly boring stuff at the time, you know, like <laughs> how Xerox Park revolution. I, I went to graduate school. This is in the late 90s. And I went to graduate school in the late 90s, and they're still reviewing case studies from the 70s. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be, you know, a consultant at the Big Five or whatever, just just cranking out case studies and binders. And that was the that was the first point where I decided I want to be a person who does stuff, not the person who kind of theorizes from from far above. Like, no, let's actually do the thing. And that's one of the themes that has been been consistent through my life is <clears throat> I still need to be able to write the code. I still need to be able to do awesome. the thing. The second was in the um, in, in the 2000s. I joined that financial services company as an IT guy. And what started out as, hey, can you go update the web server? It became, can you update the web page? Can you fix send mail? It became, can you send this month's newsletter? And I made the transition into marketing. And that's was really a, a second major pivot for me, was, was taking on the, the actual marketing roles. Started going to marketing conferences, speaking at things, um, found out marketing has better parties uh, than IT does. <laughs> <laughs> but worse trade show swag. That's interesting. And then the third major pivot point was uh, I was known for SEO and for podcasting in the by around, right around 2010. And what really pivoted then was suddenly did, digital was hot, social media was hot, and a whole bunch of people are saying, "How do we measure this?" And it, it's at that point where that that the light bulb clicked on and said, "I can make the data tell you how to measure things." And that's when analytics became sort of my central focus. And then over time, that evolved into data science, into machine learning, and so on and so forth. But all of these, these are three major pivot points of, I don't want to do that. I, I, I want to move into marketing because their parties are better. And I, <laughs> and I want to help marketers measure because marketers are traditionally not quantitative people. They're more, you know, it's neurologically unsound. It's been disproven by science. But the idea of left brain, right brain uh, is something people can wrap their heads around. And most marketers are that kind of right brain creative person, not the let me do a, uh, you know, a two standard deviation analysis of this data set for you. That's not what marketers right. get excited about in the morning. <laughs> and so um, that's where I figure there's there's some green space there for me. So I have a question because I'm, I'm interested. Like you, you said the word. But you didn't dive in. Do you think marketing over coffee was a milestone or a choice that was a smart move 
for you. Like, I've always wanted to ask you this because I've done a crap ton of podcasts. Like, run me through when you were thinking about doing that after you had done it for a while and kind of now, uh, your, your thoughts on that. So Marketing Over Coffee is the podcast I do weekly with my, my friend and co-host, uh, John Wall. We founded it in 2007. And the reason that Marketing Over Coffee and my personal blog, ChristopherSPenn.com, started the same year, 2007, the reason for that was <clears throat> as I was making a transition into, the, into marketing, I started having more thoughts and observations and things I wanted to share about that. But the company I work for was Financial Services. They had absolutely no use for marketing content. Uh, they wanted to focus on on you know uh, lending content and credit card content, and so I needed a place to put this stuff. And so that's how marketing over coffee got started. Was I wanted a place to talk with someone else about the things I was working on that I was was working wasn't working and get their experiences as well. Um, John Wall, uh, who was one of the original New England podcasters, uh, we we got together, started meeting literally for coffee in, in a Dunkin' Donuts in Natick, Massachusetts, five a.m. because we both had horrendous commutes, uh, and just sort of you know chatting about what had happened that week. And after a while, what happened was we, we started the podcast really at the tail end of the first age of podcasting. Once, you know, all the podcasting companies at the time had flamed out, we just kept doing our thing. And then it, because of that, we built, built the backlog, built the SEO, built the, the, the website around this show. And now as the second age of podcasting has come upon us, we're there as one of the oldest marketing podcasts that's still going. So we're, now we're going to go back into this leveraging AI and uh, SEO. So this next section is charting the course. So now we get to really deep dive and, and uh, tap into your brain. Why don't you define what leveraging AI and SEO is from a general topic point of view? And then we'll, we'll ask you a few more questions after that. Sure. So here's the thing about SEO. Modern SEO is powered by deep learning. And mm -hmm. we should we should define what some of the stuff means for folks who aren't familiar. Yeah. All artificial intelligence means is getting a computer to do things that humans normally would do. So the fact that if you're if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you can disambiguate it from noise, you're using what's called language processing as part of your brain. Um, if you were to to watch a video of this, you'd be using vision. Uh, and and these are all that's sort of the the big umbrella of AI. AI begins with math, specifically statistics and probability. How? What is the likelihood this is a picture of a dog? What is the likelihood that this is a, a paragraph about SEO? And so on and so forth. Once you have an understanding of stats and probability, you get these things called algorithms, which are repeatable processes. Everybody uses algorithms all day. There's a very good chance, if you're listening to this right now, that you probably put on the same general article of clothing first every morning, right? Maybe you put on your, your lower half first, maybe put on your upper half first, but it's probably consistent, right? You don't put mm -hmm. on very, you don't wildly vary up. Like, today I'm going to start with socks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you have algorithms. Once algorithms become robust enough, you don't need to write them anymore. Instead of writing software that creates an output, we take data and tell the machine, write your own software to analyze this. And that's called machine learning. The machine literally learns from the data. When you take all these machine learning techniques and start stacking them up like Lego blocks, where the data flows from one to the next, that's called deep learning. Why is this relevant? Google and, and Bing and, and all the major search engines, all these tech companies are using deep learning because that's how search works. There, here's, here's a really good example. What are all the things that go into a search query? When someone Googles for something, there's the words, 
There's the speed at which the words come in on. There's the device that they're on. There's the location of the device. There's the time of day. There's your previous search history. There's the ads that are running. There's the topics. You know, there's what's happening in the news. There, it, you, you get a sense. Yeah. There's, there could be, literally be hundreds or thousands of dimensions. No human can analyze all of those factors, hundreds of factors, to determine what the right answer is when you Google for that thing. But deep learning takes all those factors and combines them, mixes and matches, stacks them, some of them together, and ultimately you get at this really good answer. Uh, you know, because search engines have gotten really good at answering the questions we ask of them. Hey, what's the uh, what's the, what's the best podcast on SEO? Right, and it'll, it'll spit out answers. We as marketers then, in order to be able to interpret those results, need to be using machine learning techniques as well. Here's here's a really good example. What goes into the top ten results in a, on a Google in a Google search? Right? Do you know what's what the content is? So, so you type in like you know, best SEO uh, consulting firm. If you were to take the text of all those pages and the metadata and build your own machine learning algorithm to try and reverse engineer Google and say, what do all 10 pages have in common? You might be able to tease out some factors that like, yep, when I publish my content for the search term, I got to check the box on these things to make sure that my content has the same features as the top ranking stuff. So. That's an example. Another example of how you would use this this machine learning technology is suppose uh, there was a recent conference, what, SMX East was just uh, not too long ago. <clears throat> you want to know what was hot at SMX East. So you open up your social media marketing pro- uh, monitoring program <clears throat> and you export all the social posts about that conference and all the blog posts and everything. Can you read through all that? <clears throat> you can eventually. It's only several thousand, but it will take you a really long time. Why not feed it into a, a machine learning method called text mining and extract out the top keywords, the top phrases, the most relevant phrases, so that you understand, ah, this is what SMX was about. That's what I need to be to, to be focusing on. So those are a couple of, of examples of how you leverage AI for SEO purposes. Because once you know what everyone's talking about, you can either create your own point of view on it, or you can say, okay, that's not that's not where things are really going. So here's a fun one. If some of you are part of uh, some of the eh, gray hat forums and stuff like that, um, <clears throat> or maybe the black hat ones, you know, there's Warrior Forum and Webmaster World, which is an oldie but goodie. Uh, and <clears throat> I don't know how how uh, how safe for work is this podcast? Relatively, relatively safe. <laughs> Start up a VPN and anonymous browser session and sign in. <clears throat> Sign into some of the adult entertainment marketing forums, the marketing bulletin boards. Where these are where webmasters and technologists and marketers spe- who specialize in the porn industry are spending their time and discussing stuff. Because here's why. That industry has been the cutting edge of digital marketing for 20 years. They are doing st- they are trying things out that no one else is trying out. They had streaming video way before Netflix um, because they need to do anything they can to just eke out a tiny little margin. So take now imagine this machine learning uh, algorithms we talked about, right? Here's what was talked about at SMX, which we all know when you go to a conference, that's like last year's news, right? Here's what's <laughs> being talked about on Webmaster World and Warrior Forum. That's the gray hat. That's the contemporary stuff. Here's the porn stuff. Compare the topics in each of the three sets and figure out where is SEO going? What's what's working now? And what are you going to see show up in two years at SMX that's being talked about now in the far edges of the internet? Man, them far edges of the internet are crazy people. But but uh, there's a couple things. I, I got to unpack some of that. Uh, first of all, Christopher, everybody knows socks is last, bro. 
Socks is last. I'm just going to throw that out there. I have never started with socks. The other thing is you did something like this for the inbound event, and Remington and I both had a, a, a crazy thing. You put out this image. It was like here's all the things that people were talking about at inbound. George B. Thomas was on that freaking map like big enough to read. I was like, oh, my gosh. And and just being able to visualize that data was amazing. It made for a great social post, by the way. So SEO and Hashtag being able to proud boss moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> but other than me being able to gush on like, hey, here's some information, and yeah, it was used, and the name happened to be in there. If a company is watching this, if they're listening to this, and they're thinking about like all these different factors that we just talked about, like. From a fundamental basis, why is it important? Like, why does this even matter for most companies to be paying attention to this? So AI delivers three core benefits, right? It, it, the, the three A's, acceleration, accuracy, automation. Acceleration, can you get to your results faster? Some of the examples we just talked about, like cruising all these forms, you don't have time to read 10,000 posts on a form, but a machine can in seconds. So you'll get to the results you want faster. The accuracy is really important, especially for SEO. Think about when you export data out of a popular SEO tool, right? Take anyone on the market. How many columns are in there? How many fields? There's CPC and CPM and eCPC and eCPM and, and clicks and search difficulty and this and that and all these other things. Can you know which of the contributing variables leads to that that golden you know variable? Hey, this is your this is your clicks, the clicks you're gonna get. You can't know that, but using machine learning and, and a whole lot of feature engineering, uh, you can get to that accuracy. Here's, the, here's more accuracy about what creates those clicks because that's what I want as a, as a marketer. I don't care about rank. I care about traffic. I want people on my site. I don't care if I'm number 54 if every single person who clicks on that converts, right? So I want quality traffic. So accuracy is number two. And number three, especially for SEO practitioners but across marketing, how much stuff do you do every day that is boring and repetitive, especially in SEO, boring and repetitive? You could save so much time and so much money. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, I was working on our company blog. We've, we've been doing a good job of cranking out content. We have close to 1,000 pages. I went back and I looked, oh, huh. I forgot meta descriptions uh, on like 80% of them, right? Which is not a huge thing because meta description is only used for the snippet. It's not a ranking factor. At least Google has said it's not a ranking factor. But it still should be there. Do I really want to go back and edit 800 pages on my site? Is that a, the best use of my time? No. So I wrote a piece of software that does that reads the page and uses a methodology called vectorization to pull out the most important two sentences on that page and put them into a table. And I then take that table, load it back into my database, and boom, 800 meta descriptions written. Time taken, 30 minutes. I don't want to do that work. Yeah. Right? You don't want to do that work. So acceleration, so that's why. accuracy, automation, that's why this matters. Save time, save money, help you make money. I'm going to take this question and go a little rogue because usually we go into, so how does this help companies? It's pretty obvious when you start talking about <laughs> like making it happen faster, making sure it's more accurate so there's less guesswork, and then just making it happen. But how specifically do you, and if you can provide a couple examples, how is this automation or this, this acceleration into finding these data points helping specifically with SEO other than like being able to bulk do some meta descriptions? you mind giving a couple examples on that? Sure. There's that, and I'll send you guys a link that you can put in the show notes. There's this thing we do is called predictive predictive keyword planning. So take all your keywords, right? 
and you know what they are, and and you know that there's back data available for years on some of these keywords. What if you could use machine learning to forecast when in the next 52 weeks those keywords would spike so that you can plan ahead? I need to have my content on the website, you know, four weeks before, although, you know, the Google bots take much less time to crawl now, but I have my social content, my ad content, my PPC. If I knew, for example, Impulse Creative, if I knew that people were going to search for that brand name, when would they go to search for it the most? I know to up my ad budget for my branded search terms at that time, right? If you could do that, wouldn't that be value? You could plan your marketing calendar and then spend when the interest is highest, change your content calendar. So I'll send you the link to what we call Cheese of the Week. It's an example of this where we took 40, 50 different names of cheeses and forecasted the search volume over the next 52 weeks. If you were a cheese shop, you could then sort by week and say, okay, what's the cheese this week that we need to focus on? Hey, we're going to do our podcast about this this week. We have a YouTube video up this week. We're going to have three blog posts about this week and then 15 social posts all about, I don't know, Havarti. Um, <laughs> that gives you a look into the future. That lets you figure out when do I need to do something that matters. Uh, and that is where, to your to your question, like you know, is it how does this help a company with SEO specifically? Predictive keyword planning is the future of a lot of this stuff because you can anticipate demand. You can know in advance when someone's going to care about something. I did a, a version of this for a healthcare event recently. I took three thousand six hundred disease state searches and said, okay, forecast all three thousand six hundred over the next fifty two weeks. Let's look week by week at what spikes. The week of September 14th this past year, the term doxycycline highclate spiked. Why? It's an antibiotic. Well, it turns out it's an antibiotic specifically for acne. What's happening September 14th? Kids are back in school and getting crap from their peers about their appearance. Holy crap. So if I had known that, if I was working in that field, I was like, okay, I'm going to run a special on this. I'm going to optimize the crap out of that product listing page, right, and all the brands that use that ingredient and so on and so forth. So when you use predictive analytics, which is part of machine learning, you can forecast the future and make your SEO timely, not just relevant, but timely. Think about what Google cares about. Query deserves freshness. Query deserves relevance. Query deserves diversity. Relevance, we all got, right? We all yeah. know how to create content. But what about that freshness? If we can nail the freshness yeah. when things spike, we got them. That's crazy. So, George, so, are you feeling all right? Like, no, <laughs> not really. I'm really not feeling all right. I'm, so I'm sitting here thinking, like, <laughs> I, I want to set up a camera that, like, <laughs> just looks at me and go, like, on Facebook Live so that I can match it. Like, people could match up, like, the... Like so far, I've thrown my hands up in the air and walked off screen. Um, I've sat here and like looked at the ceiling and tapped my forehead sporadically. And I like did the my brain hurts uh, position <laughs> all in this episode thus far, Poosh, which that's a digital uh, high five there. Like my brain hurts. My, I, we're not even halfway through my brain hurts. So, so, but, but there's so much going on. Like, I'm going to I'm going to go rogue. This is the rogue episode. When you earlier, Christopher, when you were talking about the rate in which the words are typed into the search box, my mind immediately went, oh, my God, can they pay attention to that? And then I immediately went to like if I typed in best sushi in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I typed it fast would Google actually go, oh, my God, this guy is hungry. Like, you know, that place takes 20 minutes. This one actually has carryout. Let's make that the first result. Like, I started to, like, think of all those things around all these metrics that we're not paying any attention to. 
and and so like this like keywords like I want to know when people are searching marketing speaker, sales speaker, video speaker. Like I want to know all those words like and map that out. It's anyway. Uh-huh. But I yep. like cheese too. We did that too. recently, actually, as a paid product. Yeah. So, like, I like cheese too. So, when you said forty like things of cheese, I'm like, <laughs> I'm hungry. So this episode is crazy. But, but let's get back on track. Obviously, all companies are doing this right now. So the question is, like, where are companies when it comes to using AI and SEO right now at this point? Uh, unless your name is Google, you're probably not. <laughs> um, and here's why. There's a journey to artificial intelligence. There's a path to it. It's not something you just say, hey, uh, now tomorrow we're an AI company. It doesn't work like that. And the journey is a seven-step process. You've got to start with that foundation. Do you even have the data? Right? What data do you have? There is so much data, for example, like even just Google Analytics that people don't pay attention to. Things like even little things like bounce rate or time on page. Those are data points that are in Google Analytics that nobody looks at. But – the catch is you have to be able to, to gather it and make it clean. So your data foundation is the first step in that journey. And the second data, the second step is your measurement and analytics. Are you data driven? Which means you make decisions based on data as a company. If you don't do that, guess what? AI ain't going to matter because you're not going to listen to anything the machine says. Do you have KPIs? Do you understand what happened? The third step is insights and research. Do you have qualitative research capabilities, be able to tell data stories? Can you do market research? Because a lot of the time what happens in, in SEO is SEO explains the what happened but almost never explains the why, and you need that qualitative research to, to fill on those blanks. The fourth step is process automation, which is not not AI necessarily. The AI technologies can be used for it, but can you can you make your existing processes so efficient that you then have people, bandwidth, time, money, budget, resources to be able to devote to what's next? The th- fifth layer is data science. This is where you learn stats and math, code, engineering, being able to create the tools you need to do this because there isn't much off the shelf right now. There is very, very little is off the shelf, but there's a ton that is free and academic software that you have to retool and repurpose for seo purposes the prediction the predictive stuff for example my predictive keyword planner that i wrote is based on academic tools repurposed for seo you get to machine learning which is where you take those uh, data science ideas and those process automation ideas and you get the machines to do it to build their own code and eventually you become that ai powered enterprise where you're using ai across all functions including marketing and seo Companies are still largely stuck on rung one of the ladder. They're just like, where's that data? <laughs> is yeah. that here? Is it in this cabinet? Nope. <laughs> um, and so as a result, very, very few companies are taking full advantage of the tools that are available to them, which is great news. Because if you're listening to this, this episode and you and your competitors, and you know you and your competitors are all struggling with this, right? If you can get your house in order and get moving faster than your competitors, there is substantial first mover advantage with this, these technologies in any domain, but especially in SEO. Here's why. Remember that machine learning is all about take data, give it to the machine, the machine learns from it. The sooner you are tra- you are gathering data, the more the bigger your training data set is, which means the more of an advantage you have versus somebody who starts a year from now. They've lost a year of time to gather data and to and to assemble it and clean it and stuff. So you as a as a company, if you start now, even imperfectly, as long as the data is clean, you have that 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 nugget, that repository, that asset to work with. The viewers, the listeners need to rewind. <laughs> 
and listen to that because it's literally the seven things for you to decimate your space and your competition laid out in audio and video format. <laughs> the sad thing is even if you rewind it, I'm not sure how many people will will do it because right. like Christopher said, people are like, uh, which drawer is the data in? Like, that's just truth. Yeah. <laughs> I want to help expedite that. And, and so this next question, I think, does that because there's this thing that we've all heard where, you know, the whole somebody, nobody, everybody joke. And so, Christopher, when you think about companies doing this, who needs to be the captain of the ship? Who Who needs to be handed these seven things? Who needs to take the steps to actually make this happen so that they can be victorious with AI and SEO and just business in general? The person who would be most directly able to captain the ship, <clears throat> and, and that's a really good analogy because they're not going to sail the ship. They're not going to you know, put, put fuel in the engine room or, or navigate, but they're going to captain it, is the CMO. <clears throat> the okay. CMO is the person who has to say, this is a strategic imperative, and we're going to do this. Like a couple of years ago, Google's CMO said, we are becoming a, uh, an AI-first company. Every problem, every algorithm, every idea we have is going to be AI-first. That is the strategic imperative End of story. Uh, any projects that do not involve AI will not be approved. They will not get budget. Any projects that are currently in process that um, you know don't use AI, we're going to cut their funding. Uh, they made that very clear. This is our priority. And the same thing has to happen within your company. You have to look at your strategy, look at what matters most, and if the those three benefits, automation, acceleration, and accuracy, if they matter to you, there is no dipping your toe in the water, not at a st corporate strategic level. There absolutely is if you're an individual practitioner, even if you're whether you're on a team or something like that. There's tons of opportunity for you to personally learn this stuff, but the company has to say, we're going all in on this. So now we get to talk about some specific tools. Um, and, you know, and I'm going to put this out there. If you have tools that are doing this, you've mentioned a couple, like, feel free. Because a lot of times people like hold back and they don't want to talk about any tactical tools that are their own. But this this is the section for you to like talk about stuff that you know solves some of these problems. So so just like wayfinders have charts, compasses, and chronometers, we want to kind of give the tools or talk about the tools for our audience. So what physical or digital tools do you need to pull off this AI and SEO objective? There's a couple things you need. You need data sources. So we're talking, you know, for SEO, that's going to be your Moz, SEMrush, RF, SpyFu, the, you know, the, the, the litany of SEO tools that provide data. The, the caution I'd say there is pick one and make that like the gold standard within your organization. It's, it's fine to have multiple vendors, but pick one like says, this is the one that we want to use for our data source for external SEO data. You are absolutely, I mean, it's, it's table stakes, but I'm amazed how many people don't do it. You need, Google Analytics, you need Google Search Console, you need website data, you need your marketing automation data, you need your sales data. You're going to need all that data because the foundation of all of this is data. The, the software that I program in is a language called R. It's a, the letter R, literally. It's, that's it. it's, the, it's R, statistical <laughs> programming language. It's uh, a number of years ago, there's this company called SPSS, which IBM bought later on, but SPSS had a language called S, and a whole bunch of academics were like, we don't want to pay SPSS has a crap ton of money, uh, so we're going to make an open source version, so now that's R. The other language you can program is called Python. 
Both languages are extremely good. They're very capable. They are both free of financial cost. The the cost is knowledge, um, not not money. Everything I've talked about today in terms of the case studies and examples are all things I have run on my MacBook Pro. So I don't need a massive server farm. I don't need you know Google's dollars to do this. I just need my code and the time to work on it um, and and this this environment, the R programming, which the, if you're going to use R, the preferred IDE is called R Studio, which is also free. Uh, it's, a, it's a great way to, to implement some of this stuff. You will at some point need to work in a team environment, uh, and so you will probably want to look at our server so that there's a collaborative environment. And if you are into, if you want to make nice visualizations that that regular people can use, you'll probably want to look at a, a tool like Tableau. I use Tableau a ton because the output is something that a non-statistician can look at and go, "Oh, that's a that's a chart that where the lines going up and to the right." Got it. Um, what R spits out a lot of times is more tables, more data, right? Because that's the output of machine learning is more data. Um, and, and it's not necessarily all that human friendly. So those are the those are the two things. You need the data sources and then you need a processing engine to do it. Now, if you want to try a slightly friendlier environment for machine learning that does have a cost associated to it, um, I would strongly recommend IBM Watson Studio. Watson Studio is a drag and drop environment for machine learning. And it it takes the writing of the code out, but what it does not absolve you of is the responsibility to know the architecture. So you need to, it's like playing with Legos on screen. You still need to know what each block does, but you can drag the blocks together to create your algorithms or your, your machine learning environments rather than typing out the code and you're like, oh, I misplaced a semicolon and the server blew up, um, <laughs> which happens a lot. Yeah. Um, and so I would, I would definitely say take a look at IBM Watson Studio because it is a fantastic environment for rapidly prototyping stuff for machine learning. So... Awesome. I can't wait to unpack some of that. This might be a blog post in, in addition to show notes to try and decipher this down for our audience. I only thought my head hurt previously. <laughs> now, now it really hurts. So a couple things. One, uh, Christopher, I totally want to start talking about AI and video. Like, I know it's been a thing that I've been thinking about. Vulnerability here. I am an AI virgin. Like, I don't know anything about artificial intelligence. So if there's other people out there that are like me, uh, now that they've heard some of the tools, um, I'm a firm believer that before you can use the tools, you sort of have to understand the religion. And so if I was going to want to learn about just AI in general and um, kind of like give me the, the very – top level of here's the three things that you just need to know about AI and where you might want to learn those things so that you can graduate and not be scared crapless to go over to IBM's Watson and move blocks around. Uh, I'm going to say that that's kind of like saying, just tell me what I need to know about brain surgery. Um, (laughs) There's a lot that goes into that. Um, Sure. However, I do have a blog post I'll, ha- I'll happily share the link to of like where to get started in each of these areas, statistics, data science, and machine learning, because you need to do it in that order in order to, to get comfortable. And there are a number of courses. The, the university I recommend that you spend the most time with is MIT because all their courses are free and open to the public. You can't get the, accredit- get the certification without paying them, but the, the courseware itself, the classes, the lectures, the notes, um, the homework is all free. It's part of their open courseware initiative. And 
unsurprisingly, MIT is really good at AI. <laughs> so you, you start with like, you know, the undergraduate stats one-on-one course and you work your way up until you get to, um, you know, you get through their PhD content. <clears throat> I will say this. You don't need to go 12 years and get a PhD in order to be able to use the technology. That's if you want to master the technology. And in the blog post, there's a couple other courses. Like once you get comfortable with something like Python or R, there are some great courses. Google has one called a crash course in machine learning for developers. So once you know Python, um, you can start to use that. And IBM has a ton of resources on their website as well for like, here's how you get started using, um, you know, Watson Studio and the SPSS modeler and the neural network modeler and things like that. But, you still need to understand the architecture of what you're doing. Um, to, to try and, 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 you know, use one of the analogies, you don't necessarily need to master every utensil in the kitchen, but you probably should at least understand the difference between baking and frying. Oh. Oh, yeah, because if you do the wrong thing at the wrong time, you're about to jack some junk up, people. I'm telling you. <laughs> Which, by the way, I'm super excited because pff, MIT and free courses. I do really live under a rock most of my life, I think. But this episode is brought to you by Impulse Creative, our new video fundamentals master master class. Yes, that is a mouthful. And you did hear me right. Video fundamentals master class. Look, business videos aren't as tough as people are making them seem. We've seen incredible results with all the video that we've been doing. Heck, you just heard me a couple minutes ago talking about I want to graduate to AI in video, but you don't have to do that. You need to start at the beginning because most people think it takes too much time and costs too much money. That's not true. Head over. There's a link in the show notes. Check out our master class. Remington, I'm, I'm holding in there. Where are we heading next? Yeah, so now's one of my favorite places, the uh, Bermuda Triangle. Um, and this is going to – I feel like this could go deep. But where are people getting lost with with the thoughts of AI specifically for SEO? I'll, there's two places people get lost in AI, period. Number okay. one is the assumption that it's magic. It is not magic. It is mathematics. <clears throat> and so if you are expecting to be able to do things that you cannot do – in the in the rules of mathematics, you know, you're, you're going to be let down. You're going to be disappointed. Um, that is baseline 101. So when someone says, well, the, you know, this AI for SEO is going to make me number one in Google for everything, right? No, it's not magic. <laughs> Still not magic. <laughs> it is mathematics. It will help give you the guidance you need to do what you already do better. It, um, Ginny Rometty, the chairman of IBM, says AI should stand for augmented intelligence. It helps you, the human, be a better human. And I think that's a really good way of looking at it because this is not going to take away, <clears throat> you know, SEOs will not be out of a job any anytime soon. All well, the crappy ones will be. But um, <laughs> two, the thing, if you want to talk about Bermuda Triangle where there's real danger, um, the most dangerous part of machine learning AI is bias and people not understanding machine bias, which is different than human bias. And and let's dig into this and unpack this a little bit. Bias means that, remember what we talked about, machine learning means machines learn from what you give them. And so there are four ways that you're, you can screw up your machine learning. Number one is intentional bias, where you tell the machine, I want this outcome. Can you imagine so saying, well, I, I, I want, uh, I want uh, this keyword, our branding keyword to be the most important thing? Well, what if it's not, <laughs> right? I'm sorry. There's, no one searches for that thing. So you, you could create an algorithm that optimizes for completely the wrong things because you, in your desire to be number one for your brand name, 
broke, essentially told the machine, optimize for the wrong thing. Um, one of the most famous non-SEO examples of this is, was done by ProPublica. A police department in Georgia created an algorithm where they attempted to say, to predict who would reoffend of, uh, of people who've been arrested. The algorithm was 20% right. Like, you could have done a better job flipping a coin. But it predicted African Americans would reoffend five times greater than they actually did because someone put their thumb on the scale and said, "I want the algorithm to turn out this way." So that's a really terrible example of like how people can can screw up AI. Number two is called target bias, where the subject of that you're trying to get a prediction on, the data is no good. Real, a real good example of this that was very recent. Amazon got in a whole bunch of hot water because they created an AI hiring system that discriminated against women. Why? Their training data set, which they gave to the machine, was almost all male. Right? And so, of course, the machine came up with, yep, you should only be hiring men. Well, no, reality isn't like that. Um, the, the, the target was, was corrupted. Another good example outside of the SEO realm is African-American healthcare. No good African-American healthcare data exists, period, because of, of systemic discrimination, because of economics. You cannot optimize for African-American healthcare outcomes with their own data because you'll continue to reinforce the existing bad decisions. Now, apply that to SEO. If you have made bad decisions in the past, training on just your data alone means you're going to make more bad decisions, right? You, the machine will just help you make more bad decisions faster. Um, so that's why we've ta- when we talked about what tools do you need, the tools are less important than the data sources. You need those third parties to- tools to bring in outside data. The third is source bias. This is where uh, this is where the the data source itself has corruption in it. So if you know, there are some SEO vendors whose data sets are I don't know where they get their data from, right? <clears throat> and it, it may be questionable. It, it may just be made up. But if you optimize a, a machine for that, um, you know there's there's some free uh, keyword tools online that really kind of suck. Like their data is just not great. But if if you don't know that that source has a problem. You may end up optimizing for the wrong things because you're using bad data input. And the last form of bias is tool bias, which is that your software, uh, for whatever it is that you're doing, does not have the ability to analyze all the data. Like you may have so much data that the, your software just crashes on you. Um, but more likely, you ever look on Instagram and you'll see a picture and, and somebody's like, you know, uh, you know, there's a picture of them on the beach with a beverage and, you know, and, 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 you know, very little clothing. <clears throat> and then, um, and then the caption says, well, this sucks, right? But all the social media monitoring tools, because they don't have the ability to read audio, video, or images, interpret that post as negative sentiment. That's a negative post. Like, oh, clearly this person is a, a negative person. No, look at that picture, right? That's sarcasm. Machine, the machine could not de- deal with that. And so one of the things you have to consider when you're working, particularly when you get to more advanced SEO, like audio, video, et cetera, is can your tools accommodate the different types of media formats, and they may not be able to. So that's the Bermuda Triangle. One, not understanding what this thing is, but two, doing it wrong with because of bias. Well, at least, you went, at least you went into biased because I thought when you said like the dangerous side, you're going to bring up porn sites again. And I was going to be like, ah, <laughs> my God, no. But, but, but here's the thing. So – and I, I feel like maybe we answered this, but there's still something in my gut telling me to ask this question. Um, who's the pirate to watch out for? In what sense? Just so we talked about where most companies get lost and there, and you did a just bang up job there. 
But is there somebody that is in a company that is sitting next to you or is there a mentality that you have in your brain because of everything that you've watched on the interwebs or Netflix or whatever like that is just – it's just the thing that's going to stop you from seeing the success in leveraging SEO or AI or the next level of what you need to de- do with this? The, the pirate is – in many ways, it's people's own limitations and their fears. When you hear about AI machine learning, you think, unless you're a technologist, you think it's scary. You think it's going to invade my privacy. You think I have to learn math. I have to do all this, that, and the other thing. And the reality is, it is like any other discipline. It is a learnable thing. You can acquire the knowledge, the skills, etc. But you have to have the commitment. You have to have that willingness to slog through it. You have to be willing to dig into this stuff. I've been working now with this technology, a lot of these technologies for close to six years. Um, and I have obviously 20 years of, of general IT on top of that. And so if you were to compare your efforts with mine, I've got 26 years of experience on you, right? right. It's like, it'd be like me today comparing myself to LeBron James, right? I can barely, I can't, I can't get the basketball in the jail direction of the net, right? You know, or you look at Steph Curry and he can throw a three pointer from the other side of the court, right? <laughs> um, he spends seven hours a day doing just that. And he spent his whole life getting to that point. So I can't make a good comparison, a fair comparison. So the pirate is people feeling like they can't make that instant leap to success. There is no instant leap to that success. There is the journey to it and that the enterprise ai journey that we talked about data and analytics insights uh, the strategy tactics execution measure all that stuff that you do at a company level you have to do at a personal level too you have to be able to work with data comfortably before you can do you know thing one with with machine learning so uh now is the time for our monthly deep dive newsletter that we talk about so each week we're going to send you all the links to the tools in this case a whole bunch of articles probably digging into where you can get started and then once a month we're going to send a newsletter out to all of our listeners who have subscribed so that what you have to do is you have to go to any of the wayfindinggrowth.com pages and just hit subscribe and we'll send you over a friendly note. Usually I go right into my shtick. But <laughs> might I just say that as Remington was prepping himself for that newsletter part, I feel like my brain is not the only brain that is going into meltdown mode, <laughs> which makes me feel much better about myself on this episode. And I also feel good because it's time for Captain Killing It, where we talk about somebody who is either killing it in a good way or a bad way on the interwebs or around the topic that we are covering, which is hashtag super nerdy, but hashtag super important. Christopher, is there somebody that you would pull out of the interwebs that you would say, I've been watching these people and they are absolutely killing it? They are this week's Wayfinding Growth Captain Killing It for SEO and AI or just online in general? I'm going to do a slight variation on this and instead say this is a person who you need to listen to. Um, And that person is Dr. Hillary Mason. She is the – she was VP of AI or something at Cloudera. But she has a book on Amazon, free, free book on Amazon called Ethics in Data Science. It is mandatory reading. 
mandatory. If you are working with analytics, you're working with data, especially if you're working with machine learning, you must read this book. It is free. You must download the checklists that go with it, and you must do them. Because if you don't, you will set yourself up for massive career-ending failures when it starts when you start working with AI and, and data in, in any meaningful way. Marketers are relatively lucky in the sense that, for the most part, what we do is not literally life or death. Like, if you screw up something in your machine learning algorithm and you're making pharmaceuticals, you could kill a million people, right? You could literally kill more people than a war. But... Even still, as marketers, we are responsible for the front. We are the front line of growth for our companies. If we do it wrong, um, we can endanger that growth. If we do it really wrong, we get our companies sued. We violate people's privacy. We breach their data. We are fall afoul of you know, planetary regulations like GDPR. There's so many ways to go wrong if you don't do that planning up front to be compliant with, uh, with these ethical practices. Um, we have had no shortage in the last five years of, you know, every company we know has had a data breach, right? Every company we know has done something questionable or illegal or unethical with data. And so I would say, you know, if, if there's a, a, a person to read and follow, it is, it is Hillary and her book. All right. So um, thanks so much, Christopher, for being here. Uh, this has been a whole lot of information. I'm probably going to listen to this three times to do our recap, but um, really great to have you on. It's really great to meet you virtually as well. So where can folks connect with you as they start to navigate this concept of AI and SEO and uh, be specific, like give URLs or Twitter handles or anything like that? Sure. Shut so up, George. <laughs> if you would like to, to read more on this and see the work that uh, my company is doing trustinsights.ai is the place to go. You can see my personal blog at christopherspen.com, at trustinsights on the socials, and uh, at cspen uh, for me personally. I'm going to be at Marketing Profs B2B Forum in a little while. I'll be at Social Media Marketing World. I'll be at Content Tech. Uh, I will be at IBM Think. Uh, presenting there, which is uh, head shredding in and of itself. You know, talking to about AI to IBM, uh, and, and it's a uh, crowd, but uh, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, uh, if you're at any of those events, please do say hi, um, and look forward to to seeing everyone's reactions to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Do make sure that you shake hands, say hi. We love when that happens when we're at those events. Anyway, folks, you've reached the end of this journey. If you're listening to this on iTunes, we just ask that you would give us a rating and review. Five stars and some nice words would be great. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the bells, the likes, the subscribes, all the things that we know that you're part of the community. And until next time, make sure you're doing all you can do to leave the dock of mediocrity and set sail to the sunset of your success.